Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest, another Southerner. Many of you may not know that I'm originally from North Carolina, but that is where I'm from. We've got John Turner from Charleston, South Carolina. He is the creator of Seed Prod, which is a coming soon maintenance mode and other and does some other cool stuff, solutions for your WordPress website. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be on and, and talk with you today. Yeah, absolutely. It's always great to interview other entrepreneurs. I was on um, John's podcast uh, called Hooked on Products. So if you like, uh, you know, looking into kind of entrepreneurial case studies, especially in the online software space, check out Hooked on the Hooked on Products podcast. But before we get into that, that story of how you got into podcasting, um, you and I are about the same age. We're right around 40. Uh-huh. Uh, you said you've had three to four businesses since you graduated college, um, trying to get into entrepreneurship or whatever. Can you take us on that journey from just what, what happened between 20 and 40? Why did you want to become an entrepreneur? What were the three or four that failed along the way before you got to seed prod? Sure, sure. So, um, I specifically remember this. So after I graduated college, it took me about three months to find a job. And when I finally did find a job, I I was living with a a good friend of mine. And I remember coming home after work. And, you know, after you get done with the college experience, you're, you know, you you think you're ready to take on the world, right? And we came home and I sat down, it was like six o'clock in the evening and we were eating dinner. I was like, you know, is this it? (laughs) The rest of my life, you know? And, and, I remember that specifically. That's just not really how I wanted to live the rest of my life is working for someone else and doing the nine to five and stuff. So that kind of lit the fire in me to to want to start a business. And at that time I was living in Nashville and I was I was learning web design and stuff. So I started building some websites for some musicians and I was like, you know what? I could probably automate this somehow and build like a CMS. I think everybody, every programmer builds a CMS at some point, right? So uh, I decided to build that. And uh, at the time, I really didn't have any idea about marketing myself or my service or my product. So I built it and just through a word of mouth, I had a little bit of success, but I would not say anything where I could quit a day job. It was making around four figures a month, which is pretty good. And, um, you know, it's just that trudged on for, you know, many years, I guess, I don't know, about, I guess, eight years or so. And, and I was like, well, maybe this isn't working. So I, I tried a couple other things. So I, I did like a Twitter app, and a Facebook app and stuff like that. And, you know, like I said, I, I didn't really understand the marketing aspect. I didn't understand you needed to find your audience first and then build a product for their needs. I was just building products and thinking people would buy it. So, um, about uh, after 10 years or so, I I found, uh, Rob Walling, who was the founder of drip. He had an academy called the micropreneur Academy that taught you how to build software products and sell them. And the selling was the key part I was missing. Right. So I joined his Academy and learned kind of the one Oh one of marketing. And at that time he actually had a course and the course walked you through how to basically, you know, step one to step 10 on setting a product or or creating a product and selling. And one of the steps was that you needed to vet the product somehow and see if there was interest in it. And the way you did that was you set up a 
a landing page, you drove traffic to it, and you collected, it's kind of like a phantom product. You don't even have to build it yet. You just put up a landing page and see if you can generate interest. So uh, I did that, but at the time, WordPress didn't have anything to really do that with. So I built something quick and I released the plugin for free on WordPress.org. And I was testing a bunch of different ideas. I was doing what he said. I was putting up landing pages and driving traffic to them and seeing which one would fire and which one uh, wouldn't. But during that time, I found that something interesting is that a lot of people also had that same need. So my free plugin started getting tons of feature requests. So I started building those and I released the pro version of that plugin. Uh, from day one, I started making sales and it kind of took off from there. I found out there was a need for the product, people wanting to send up landing pages in WordPress to one, either just test an idea or to hide their website while it's in design or just general coming soon stuff. You want to collect leads, you know, obviously it takes time to build a website. So why not use that time to collect leads and get feedback on what you're building? So yeah, that was, that's the kind of the, the journey there. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Um, it's a classic, you know, pre-selling t- technique. I've also heard it called the false door test or mm-hmm. a cardboard wall test. Sure. I can't underestimate, or I, I don't want to understate the value of doing something like that. Right. And I just want to share something over in the course creation space that kind of blew me away just the other day, similar to what you're talking about in terms of demand. Mm-hmm. I'm a course creator. Uh, I, a lot of my courses, the reason I, you know, one of the reasons I build course creation software is I'm scratching my own itch. Sure. And I have a lot of courses where I've partnered with experts all around the world in a niche within organic gardening called permaculture. Mm-hmm. And what, one of the ways I market my courses is I take two of the best video lessons. I put them for free on YouTube. You know, I optimize the title and description with links to the paid course and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of set it and forget it and throw that into the YouTube ecosystem. Sure. Um, I've gone back and looked at some of those videos and this is from a project about four years ago, 30,000 views, 60,000 views. I look at my my project right now, which is Lifter LMS, online course creation software, which I spend all this time like marketing and creating content and I'm lucky to get a thousand views on a video when I'm driving traffic (laughs) to all this stuff. Right, right. All that is to say that the whole, this whole like, uh, permaculture, organic gardening niche is way, 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 way bigger than mm-hmm. course creators. Yeah, I, it's right. not better or worse. I'm just saying the niches, there's so much more going on with like zero effort. Just there's a product market fit kind of mass like yeah, big right. niche here. And when I look at your product, uh, Seed Prod, if I look at it at WordPress, it has 700,000 downloads. That is mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, quite, yeah. <laughs> could you speak to like big niches in a while or, or, or speak to the concept of a big niche? Like how has that impacted you? What was it like when you discovered that? Was it a surprise? Tell us about the, the scale of it all. Sure. So, um, I don't know if you've read a book, it's called blue ocean shift. Are you familiar with that concept? Blue ocean strategy. Yeah. 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 Okay. So at the time, so I'll kind of sum it up for people, but I recommend reading the book. When uh, when there's when a niche is underserved, it's considered a blue ocean, and then you go into it as you know the first person, 
you're creating your niche out and then eventually more people enter it and it turns into a red ocean and it becomes crowded and then you niche down again to create it or reposition to create another blue ocean. So at the time when I got into WordPress, uh, the plugin business in general was a blue ocean. So it was nice to be first to market and stuff. But now I have thousands or not thousands, but I'd say hundreds of competitors. But since I was early to market, I was able to establish a brand and a reputation. And what I still feel like is the best plugin to, to meet the needs, you know, of what people are looking for. So I don't know if that answers your question. I might've went off topic there, but um, yeah. It does. So there's, there is some like kind of first mover advantage in the blue ocean, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. So um, yeah, right now, like I said, the market is getting crowded and I'm kind of looking for new opportunities out there, but I think uh, in your space as well, like you were saying, the, or the, the organic, um, I can't remember what you call it, organic gardening perma? Permaculture. Yeah, so that's probably a blue ocean right now, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a lot yeah, of demand yeah. for people seeking information, yeah. it sounds like. And it's very slow. That particular niche has been very slow to come online. So I just like went in there with some online mm-hmm. skills, and it, honestly, it wasn't that hard to kind of get in there. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Timing. Um. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about, it. you mentioned Rob Walling and the, the concept of the micropreneur. If we look at a niche like MarTech or marketing tech, I think I heard a statistic that that's only a 20,000 company niche, which mm-hmm. is a lot of people, but it's a small niche. It's not a giant niche. Right. Um, but just because whether you have a big niche uh, or a small niche is not necessarily bad. I'm just throwing that out there. Like you have 700,000 downloads have a viable business. I have 7,000 downloads uh, for our freemium front end of our product and have a viable business. So it's not always bad. To, you don't always have to be big. There's been some benefits to being small and super niched or whatever. Um, yeah. But and, and, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, and those numbers are really deceiving too, because just because I have 7,000 free users doesn't mean I have 7,000 paid users. And a lot of times with the plugins with the bigger um, user base have smaller people going into paid. Whereas, you know, a smaller plugin might be definitely having more conversions on, on going get free to paid basically. So, yeah. Is there, could you share some like freemium lessons learned? So freemium being you have a free product that with an upsell to a paid version, like what are some lessons you learned along the way? Sure. So I'm still learning, but, um, (laughs) Some some of the lessons are um, you can't really. There's a fine line to walk between giving away just enough and too much, and obviously it's different for every product. But I think that's one of the reasons why my free product does so well is that it's simple enough to where it doesn't overwhelm somebody when they come in looking for it. It's just enough information for them to get the job done. But obviously, if they want more then they can go to pro. And I think that's with any product that's in the freemium space, you want to give them just enough to get the job done and do it well. But obviously if they're looking for more or have a business case need for it, you want them to upgrade into it. So I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. And I guess one of the next lessons I've learned is um, 
and I'm still learning this is the persuasion techniques into getting, and I don't, uh, persuasion sounds kind of sleazy, but getting someone to upgrade to your, to your, um, pro version, so to speak is, is an art, you know, a science and an art. And I'm still learning that. And it involves copywriting and basically understanding your customer, you know, how are they approaching your product? You know, how many times does it take you need to educate them and you need to touch them and basically get your message across to them before they purchase. So I think that's a lot of the lessons I've learned and I'm still learning and, you know, it's a never ending process. So I think it's just, you've got to do stuff to actually learn um, what works and what doesn't work. And most stuff doesn't work, you know, but when you do find stuff that works, it's, it's a big win. Most sometimes, sometimes they're small wins. What do you think your, uh, your most desirable paid feature is? Um, so the most desirable page feed are, I, I would give it a couple of them. The biggest one is being able to collect leads and then follow up with those leads. And then it also has a feature where you can kind of go viral. So, um, people will sign up and then if they share, they can collect points or entries, so to speak, where they can, if they get so many, you can award them coupons or things of that nature. I kind of want to, I want to hold on that one right there. Sure. Just, just uh-huh. for the listener, um, <clears throat> I'll describe it and then fill in the holes with me just so that we make sure um, you watching or you listening uh, understand what CPROD is. Mm-hmm. It's basically a coming soon single web page that you would put up like right when you start setting up your website while it's under construction. You know, you could, like John's saying, collect email addresses to start getting interest uh, you know, people that you're later going to sell to or notify that the business is open or the website is complete or the product is ready, whatever it is. But then it also has this thing, one of these paid features where uh, you're kind of incentivizing people to share um, this thing that's under construction or coming soon or about to be better than it was before. Mm-hmm. That's what SeedProd is. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, um, it's funny. Um, so when I built seed prod, that feature was based off a Tim Ferriss blog article where a company called Harris, uh, I can't, they sell razors, but they did the same thing basically. <laughs> and they got around 10,000 leads. Now, obviously not everybody's going to get 10,000 leads or so, but you know, it's a viable way to get people to sign up for what you're, what you have to offer, you know, but the biggest thing of a coming soon page is just a specialized landing page where the main goal is to collect the email of, uh, you know, your potential prospects for whatever it is that you have coming soon. So yeah, um, that's the main goal of it. And who doesn't want to have somebody to talk to when your website goes live as opposed to, having crickets, right? Yeah. And I just want to underscore that point, especially for the course creators and the membership site builders out there. Um, the people that I see find the most success, you know, they build their content or they, at least they get their curriculum kind of mapped out before they go shopping for LMS software, membership site tools. Mm -hmm. Um, but they often have the name figured out like a well before it launches. So if you've got that name, getting a coming soon page up that's collecting leads and is really pitching the offer of like what this course or this membership or this school is going to be all about. 
is mm-hmm. really important because you want to have that. There's nothing better than having that signal of, oh, people are opting in. People are interesting. You know, you know, spend a little bit of time sending some traffic to that, the, the opt-in page um, while you're working on developing the content. Because if you have that signal that like, oh, this is, um, this has interest, it's very motivating and it helps, you know, take some of the stress out of launching when you already have this like initial momentum. Because a lot of people are starting with an email list of zero mm-hmm. and this is where you start. This is the place to start. And I, I wanted to ask you, can you tell us more about this content, uh, this um, referral feature? Um, sure. I found this really helpful for... Um, like running contests and things like give giveaways and things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a great way to like kind of open up a potential viral loop. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. So basically the way it works is that somebody will sign up for uh, your website to be notified when it goes live or your course or whatever you're building. And then um, after they sign up, they're presented with uh, a few different ways to share Uh, a unique URL they have that tracks who they send back to their site. And then based off that, you can award them, like I said, discounts or early entry or any kind of incentive you want based on the number of people they refer back to your website. So depending on what you have to offer, you know, obviously this can go viral and help you spread the word of what you have coming up and that you won't have to do much so much, you know, on pre on advertising, they'll help you advertise it a little bit more. And like I said, if you Google the Tim, uh, Tim Ferriss, Harry story, you can kind of see, uh, that in action and, and the results of that. And I've actually got a blog post coming up here on my website very soon that kind of talks to that and how it relates to seed prod and things of that nature. But yeah, I think the biggest thing, um, and, and to, just to go back on, on, getting email and under, and getting people to subscribe to what you have coming, you can also go to those people and interview them and, and that those interviews can help you create whatever it is you have to offer. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brennan Dunn, um, but he yeah. has a course called double your freelance and he is creating a new product called um, right message, which is a personalization tool. And if you follow him, you'll see that, during that process of creating this tool, people that would, was interested in it early, he interviewed over 20, 50 people to get feedback on the direction of his product. And um, I think that's crucial because obviously you don't want to spend time building something that nobody wants. You need to figure out what your audience wants from you and deliver that back to them. Yeah. I, co-creation for no matter what kind of business you have, but as a course creator, getting that feedback loop open early, especially while there's still room to influence the product. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what we're all about. And that's what we teach is um, just not building in a vacuum. Yeah, absolutely. It's very dangerous and and (laughs) can lead to a lot of wasted time and money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I wanted wanted to ask you something, John, about uh, something I noticed sometimes is really unique in people, which you have, um, your co-host, um, Phil has, which is uh, a combination of developer and um, like marketing skills. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I have a software company like yours. I can't write a single line of code. If I ever need to go get the HTML for a link, I have to go to like one of those W3 school websites and find the A equals href, whatever. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 
but sometimes I come across people like you who have this like unique combination where my approach is partnership, business partner, mm-hmm. um, strength in numbers kind of thing. But there's people, there's people like you out there. Can you, what are, what are some of the benefits and challenges of being a technologist and, you know, kind of like the business marketing person too, like in one, all in one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very challenging actually. And you know, I, I guess the reason why why I am that way is because early on in my career, I've tried a few partnerships and I, I, I had some bad experiences with those. So I think that's kind of influenced my overall direction. But, you know, I was, I was a developer first and, and marketing came out of, out of kind of a necessity to learn it. But I actually really do, do enjoy it. I actually enjoy it more than the developing aspect now. And as my business grows, I've continue, I've considered hiring a developer, but, um, at the same time, I do like being small. I like being agile and I like not having to answer anybody. So if I want to take a couple of weeks off in the summertime and I won't feel guilty if I have, you know, a team working around me. Right. And, um, at the same time, you know, it's, it, those skills are, is kind of like a one, two punch. If, if anything goes bad with this business, those skills transfer over to other, business and opportunities. So, um, you know, and, 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 and really I just enjoyed learning all this stuff. I think anything in the, I think there's so many opportunities in the online space that it doesn't hurt to just learn and keep learning and applying what you learn. And, uh, you know, I just happen to learn tech and marketing, which are very valuable in the space. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, why'd you start a podcast? So this the podcast is called Hooked on Products. Check it yeah. out on iTunes. Why did you and Phil do that? So we wanted to connect with other people in our community, in our space that were kind of doing the same things that we're doing. And a lot of people start a podcast to help with their main business or to teach, you know, kind of like get leads or educate. Yeah. What their product is selling. But we wanted to reach out to people in our space and connect with them and share our ideas and our stories and, you know, our tactics and stuff. And it's been, you know, it's been very, uh, it's been, been awesome to be honest with you. We met quite a, quite a bit of people like yourself there and, you know, everybody has a different story, but a lot of people have this, you know, they all have this same connecting driving forces that they, they want to create something awesome and, you know, serve their customers. And I think that's, one of the things that uh, we enjoy about doing the podcast is learning how other people are doing that and kind of the techniques and, and applying those and testing those ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think there's something to be said for investing in relationships in your industry. I mean, there's this pressure to quote, always be selling or whatever, but uh, it's also good to just develop relationships in your industry. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it goes back to the never stop learning philosophy that I personally have is that I just want to learn as much as I can and then take take from that and apply it to my own business as well. And I got to say that your podcast that you did with us was awesome and is, is I think, one of the top three already that we've done so far. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of golden nuggets in there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, how'd you meet your co-hosts? 
Sure. So uh, Phil and I met um, back when I originally joined the Micropreneur Academy. They had a forum that went along with that course and we met within there. And um, I think it was about three years till we actually met in person. So we were at the kind of the same space in our career, our entrepreneurial career. And we were both looking for ideas and products. And we've just kind of bonded because we've kind of been on the journey together ever since. And I think I can't even remember how it's been about eight years or something like that since I've known you. I can't can't even remember, but it's been a while. And then we meet uh, a couple of times a year in uh, at various conferences and stuff. So yeah, it's been a nice relationship to have and somebody just to go along with the journey with. Yeah, I enjoyed. Uh, <clears throat> I've met Phil at a couple of WordCamps and uh, at an event called Cabo Press. Um, it was really good to get to know him. Um, I want to go back to your product for a second. Uh, sometimes when we have products, whatever they are, you're always trying to like sweeten the stack or add more value to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was looking at your pricing tables and you have these themes. So basically kind of coming soon or opt-in pages Mm -hmm. in a box with already pre-designed backgrounds and typography and stuff. Um, and there's a lot of them. How many are there? Do you know? There's 50 plus right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so how, where did that come from and what, what is the reaction to them, to them been, and how do you decide when to build a new one or how'd you pick the ones that you built? Sure. So, um, that's actually pretty new. Most people like to just start from scratch and design their own, but I had a lot of people that, you know, just want to click a button and have an instant good looking page. Yeah. So I kind of did some research and I got, I took the feedback from people and I looked at some of the you know, most popular spaces out there that people were wanting. And I built it off of those. And like I said, it's kind of a newer feature and I track um, which ones get installed and stuff. So I kind of, based on those numbers, I, I go forward. But um, yeah, it's just been one of those things that I do a survey every few months. And that was one of the, the top ones is they wanted more pre-designed themes in it. So that was what kind of what led that, uh, that deci- feature decision. Yeah, that's, that's great. I know um, business owners, your customers, I mean, there's like business owners and there's people who build websites for clients. I've mm-hmm. bought your product before for clients. I've used your free, yeah. free version. Um, but the business person, especially, they just, sometimes they just want to, you know, a template, pick the one that's most like them, change the words and roll. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think the, the whole boom in the page building industry attests to the power of, you know, pre-done templates and, yeah. Yeah. And I've considered adding a done it for you option on there as well. Um, and that's something I think a lot of course creators do. I think a lot of them use that as an upsell. Is that right? Is that they kind of, they'll have a course and then an upsell is a done for you or something like that. Is that true in your space? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I yeah. call that the, just the, um, there's the do it yourself, there's the done with you, and then there's the done for you. So sometimes yeah. people structure different offers or take right. one product and change it a little bit at right, those right. levels. Yeah, I've considered adding that on as a as a service on the back end of the sale. So, but I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool. Uh, I think um, just like you know, there's a difference between a website that is a, you know, a marketing brochure for a business, whereas the website is the business. Mm-hmm. So like if it's an online course website or an e-commerce website where like the website is the business, 
like what you have here is valuable for the brochure coming soon website, mm -hmm. uh, for the brick and mortar place or whatever. But for the online business, um, you know, getting starting pre-selling and collecting leads ASAP is, uh, I think, really valuable. I'm also one of those. I think that there might be a service there. And one of the other things is education. So mm -hmm. if you do education plus product plus service, mm -hmm. sometimes that completes the picture because the education can fill in the gaps, like a basic uh, pre-selling course, you know, touching on, you know, structuring the offer, headlining, subheadlining, uh, giving a reason people to opt in, how to do the countdown effectively, what, uh, like how to, you know, open it up for viral referral. Mm -hmm. Like the market might need, just need a little education, even if it's, it doesn't have to necessarily be a full on course. It could just be like a, like an online course it could be an email mini course or mm -hmm. checklist or lead magnet or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm just a fan of like figuring out different combinations of education, software, service, uh, yeah. products. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the kind of thing is it's different for every, you know, that combination is different for every product. And I, I'm still testing ideas and, you know, trying to constantly improve on, on that, you know, uh, education, product awareness and, and things of that nature. But yeah, I've tried the mini course, the email mini course, and I have a short sales cycle. Uh, and so typically it's, it's straight to an offer for me, but yeah, I agree. There's, uh, education on your products is key. And actually, um, with the coming soon page, I actually, I actually recommend people actually still write blog posts while their website's up and going and release those. So, you know, they're getting some information out there and not only does it educate, but it also helps them start, you know, getting a head start on Google and getting some of that search in your traffic. There you go. There's another lesson yeah. on, uh, <laughs> on reselling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also noticed, I didn't realize you had this uh, on your pricing table. You had some photography included or access to stock photos? Sure. So how does, that, um, how does that work and where did that decision come from? Yeah. Um, so there's a website called unsplash.com and they are a website that lets people post their photographs. And they're pretty, they're pretty high quality and you can search through them and stuff and they're all free. They're um, public domain use. You can use them for commercial or whatever, however you want to use them. They do have a few terms in there where you can't replicate their site and stuff like that. But for the most part, they're free. And they offer developers an API so they can use those images and put them in their own products. So um, it was just a natural fit for people. One of the first things people do is, you know, where can I get background images and what size do I use? So uh, the Coming Soon plugin lets you click a button, put in your search term, and it'll bring up, you know, hundreds of images you can choose from. You click on it and it's instantly sized. And uh, it's just a quick way for people because the background image is just kind of the eye catcher, right? And it's when you first come to the website. So it lets you get one of those up and going quickly without a whole lot of effort. So that's kind of where that came from. Did you say uh, that's that goes through the Unsplash API or you was that how that yeah. happens? Yeah, yeah. So we just query their API and it returns a bunch of images and then they click on an image and it automatically sizes it up and it downloads it to your WordPress and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. Well, this, this is for the geeky listener out there, but it sounds like you have a specialty here. So I want to ask, 
Okay. Um, how do you approach image sizes? Like in this case, we're looking for a full background image, but yeah. you know, we're looking across laptops, big monitors, smartphones. Right, right. Like you're saying your, your tool automatically crops it? Or so it, it, it crops it and it resizes it. And this is a, the thing about a background image is it needs to be in the background. So a lot of people make the mistake of putting like text on a background image or something like that. But uh, now, you know, when you go look at it on a phone or a laptop, it's going to look different because the image will resize and crop based on the image resolution. So there's no perfect size is what I say. The biggest thing is you want to keep it small as far as the weight of the image. So it does, it's not a big page to download and we keep it big enough to where it looks good on a big screen. And then if you, you know, push it down to a, a mobile side, it'll look great as well. And uh, a lot uh, the next features what we'll be coming out with in the next major version, version six is um, you'll be able to change settings uh, on mobile and desktop. So you'll have completely separate settings for those if you want to tweak them down even further. So some people may want to actually change the image they have on a mobile phone since there's just not a whole lot of real estate there and you'll be able to do that. But um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a pretty cool feature, I think. And a lot of people enjoy it. That's awesome. So you touched on, on more image options across devices. What mm -hmm. else is in the future for SeedProd? Like where are you headed? Sure. So uh, the coming soon plugin, it, it's been around for so long and there's really so only so much you can do with it. Uh, and it's pretty feature rich right now. The biggest things we'll be doing is making it faster and adding um, more design options. Some people want to tweak it, but the biggest thing is that we don't want to overwhelm people with options. So right now I'm just modernizing some of the stuff it's built on to make it faster and a little bit easier for people to use. And the biggest thing is to make it intuitive for people that are beginning to use it. And then also have the options for advanced users that need to tweak stuff a little bit more. So that's kind of the future of it. Like I said, the, the, the plugin is pretty stable. And as far as the feature set goes, but we'll be, be tweaking those. And also, I don't know if you saw my pricing table, I have a few other products and those are closely related to the coming soon plug-in that we sell uh, that I felt what I built for myself and felt like people need when they were first starting up their website. So could you touch are, on those? Sure. Sure. So some of those are like a, um, a login page customizer screen. So uh, a lot of people, especially with membership sites, if they don't, if it's not built into their plugin that they have, they want to customize the login screen. So that's one of the plugins we offer. We offer a contest uh, plugin which lets you run standalone contest. And it's based on a lot of what the um, coming soon plugin does, but it's a little bit different. It lets you run contests and it has a little bit more features based on what a contest needs. So like if somebody refers, you can wait the, the entries that they get and things of that nature. Um, and then we have a 404 landing page plugin. So if you want to collect leads on your 404 page, when people hit there, and we've got a few other ones. I won't go through all of them, but um, most of them are ones that I have built and they're generated towards uh, lead generation. Most of them are. Yeah. And I'm, they're, really, they're, I'm really fascinated with video marketing myself. It's one of my specialties. So I have to ask, what does WP YouTube Leads Player Pro do? Okay, sure. So <laughs> what that one does, it allows you to 
uh, put an opt-in over your YouTube video so that they have to enter an email to watch the video. So you can have it show up as soon as the video shows up or you can have the video stop at like a key moment and then you know, you put your email in to continue to watch the video. It also lets you do things like put calls to action or annotations in the video. And it also lets you do chaptering. So if you want to list a few, you know, quick links, it'll take it to those videos. Excuse me. It'll take you to that spot in the video. So it was just something I had built because I was testing some video ads um, and I wanted to collect leads off of those. And I think there's a, there's a company called Wistia that lets you do stuff like that. And it was kind of a lot of what their features offered, but the self-hosted version for WordPress. That is awesome. Do you have any comments as being uh, kind of between the lead and the CRM or the email marketing platform? What do you notice? Do you see any trends in, you know, email marketing, I guess, as in terms of like tool popular popularity or, mm-hmm. you know, what seems to be what email tools are people choosing these days for the, you know, where they're sending the leads. Um, yeah. Uh, just any kind of email marketing comments. Sure. So obviously MailChimp is MailChimp is really still one of the largest players um, and they're kind of catching up in the automation space. But uh, a lot of the, 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 the three popular ones I hear about a lot are ConvertKit, Drip, and Active Campaign. Those are the three ones I hear, and a lot of people are interested in the automation aspect of it. But there's an interesting thing about automation is it's actually quite complex and can be quite complex to set up and to execute. So um, there's definitely a lot of interest in that right now, but I find a lot of people struggle with actually executing the automation part of it. Uh, I myself have set up several ones and I ended up just going back to some simple campaigns that have delayed releases and move people in and out. Uh, but it's there if you want to do it. And a lot of people do have those needs. I don't know if you do any kind of that stuff, but yeah, yeah it's a little overkill uh, for what I'm doing. I'm an active <laughs> campaign user and uh, I used to do a lot of custom work in the Infusionsoft community. I have a background in building complex campaigns, uh-huh. but, but I feel like building WordPress websites, uh, when you're on that journey of figuring all that stuff out, people tend to go complex and then you kind of figure it out and then you burn it all down and you start yeah. over with something much more simple. And I've been yeah. through several iterations in terms of marketing funnels or, you know, the essential tools for a website and stuff like yeah. that. It gets simpler over time, not more complex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I use a lot of the 80, 20 rule, you know, when it comes to email marketing, I, I don't try to over optimize, right. I just do the stuff that knocks down the big dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Well, go check out John's website over at seedprod.com. Um, super useful tool. If you're listening to this, uh, and you have your course idea and you haven't, especially if you haven't launched yet, especially if you have a domain name and it's just sitting there, um, start getting some leads, put seed prod on there and start pre-selling. Uh, and don't uh, having the email opt-in is there, but also the core of business, especially online business, especially in an online education business is the offer. It's mm-hmm. who you're selling to, what is it? What is this course or what is this school or what is this platform all about? 
Um, starting that conversation and co-creating through a coming soon page is like, that is ground zero. It's like an yeah. essential step. I would never skip that. When yeah, I first right. started Lifter LMS, I had like a, even though I could build fancy websites, I had a lead page template with mm-hmm. an offer on there and an opt-in. That's where yeah. it all started. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you got to test your offer and see if it, you know, people bite on it. That's the biggest thing. And then get feedback on it like we've discussed. It's huge. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Chris. People can head to seedprod.com. Where else can mm-hmm. they connect with you on the internet besides your great podcast, Hooked on Products? <laughs> Sure. So those are the main two spots. And I do have a blog at John D. Turner. Um, what is my blog? I've changed it recently. John Turner blog. There you go. <laughs> and I do post on there every once in a while. And um, I, I, one of my goals this year was to post on there more of just kind of document my journey, but I'll be posting on there uh, a little bit more as the year wraps up, but that kind of, um, it outlines some of my goals and what I've achieved and stuff and more, more goal setting stuff. But yeah, he can reach me there or on Twitter at John Turner. Awesome. Well, thanks, John. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. And we'll talk at you soon. Okay. Oh, sounds good.